We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. here of your go-to Pacers podcast, setting the pace, the Indiana Pacers 157, the Atlanta Hawks 152. A lot of stuff happened tonight, a lot of franchise-breaking numbers, but Fachi, what is the most important thing about tonight's victory? The win. The in the the win and loss column, it says the Indiana Pacers got it done. They won group A of the in-season tournament. Alex, this go. game was a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, the first half, if you didn't watch it, you didn't miss much. The second half, I hope you didn't miss a thing because that was electric basketball. It's a tale of two halves, really. I mean, the numbers offensively for the Pacers were good in both halves. They they played really solid offensively the entirety of the game. Their defense in the first half was atrocious. I mean, 86 points in the first half is just ridiculous. Franchise record. It's the record for the most. And it's like you're, you're – you come in expecting this Pacers team to punch the Hawks in the mouth after getting completely embarrassed on their home floor in Orlando. They were down by 13 and a half. And th- thankfully it wasn't any worse because like we said, their offense was playing good enough that they were able to keep themselves in that game. But that third quarter, Fachi, Tyrese Halliburton takes over in the third quarter, 26 points. Unbelievable play from him. The Hawks had 28 that quarter. Tyrese had 26. Their defense looked the best it had looked the entirety of the game in that third quarter when they were making that comeback, and it gave them the separation that they needed to get back in this game and give themselves a little bit of a lead to get Tyrese a few minutes of rest before he came back in the game. But, you know, it's we're going to see it more and more. As Tyrese Halliburton has these quarters, we're going to start seeing double teams, and we're going to start seeing defenses overemphasize uh, him as, as the threat, and you're going to have other guys step up and beat you. And tonight it was a collective group, but at the end, Buddy Hill. 
Buddy Healed. I mean, I want to give a quick, you know, uh, I want to give Tyrese's flowers on that. Like you mentioned 26 points. That is a new Pacers franchise record for a quarter. Uh, Halliburton had 25 earlier in the year. He's now yeah. the only player with multiple 25-point uh, quarters. Obviously, hey, that uh, erases Jordan War off the Pacers record books. Sorry, Jordan. But going on to Buddy Heald, Alex, we talked about it. Buddy had been in a slump. You can call it whatever you want to call it. A slump is definitely a word that could have described Buddy's play recently. They make the move to the starting lineup. That's something we haven't touched on yet. Rick shakes up the starting lineup. Aaron Neesmith and Buddy in the starting lineup. Obi Matherin go, uh, coming off the bench tonight. Buddy Heald, 24 points, 9 of 11 shooting, 6 of 6 from 3. But the shots he was making in the fourth quarter were massive. Buddy Heald was a major reason, outside of Tyrese Halliburton, why the Indiana Pacers were able to fend off the Hawks and secure this win. You needed somebody to step up offensively as the Hawks were taking Tyrese out of the game in that fourth quarter. They were saying, anybody but Tyrese can beat us. Tyrese had some incredible passes. The one that he had full court to OB Toppin in the corner, that was insane. I don't even know how he got that pass there. There was a couple of different passes we saw tonight from Tyrese. We're just like, my God, Magician. how does he see that? And it's just, you know, when we see Tyrese skipping down the court, like that is one of the most special things you'll ever see. I know JJ kind of asked him, are you going to skip off the he court did. after this? And he's like, no. <laughs> no. Like, Tyrese was gassed. I mean, and and they made him right work for, for every second of, of that fourth quarter, just like, on both sides of the basketball, but I really thought Buddy Hield, you know, putting him in the starting lineup, we we didn't know if this was going to be a situation. We talked about it with Caitlin Cooper yesterday. Is there a change you'd make to the starting lineup? And she said, right now, the only thing I could think I would do is put Neesmith in for Obi Toppin, defensively wise. And I think that was the smart move. I, I think getting Buddy in there over Matherin was a bit of a head scratcher. And I think there's fans that are going to be upset with that. Some fans that are okay with it just because of how bad that last game was, wanting to make a change. But I think getting Buddy with Ty a little bit more was the ultimate goal there, trying to get him more minutes. And then if you look at this lineup, it's basically the same starting five as last year, except you got Bruce Brown in there for Andrew Nimhart, who didn't play mm -hmm. tonight. So a lot of chemistry together, good synergy together. It made sense to me why they did it. And I, I don't know if it made a huge impact in the first half, but in that second half, that <laughs> unit was incredible to start the third quarter. No, they really were. And look, in that first quarter, Aaron Neesmith got off to a great start. He had eight of his 17 points in the first quarter, but you brought him in for defense. And, you know, the Pacers let up 40 points to the Hawks. That's not what you you, you hoped for. So I think for, for Buddy, I was like, all right, you know what? Let, let, let's see what he can do. I think this could be a good opportunity to break him out of his slump. That's exactly what happened. I thought Neesmith played really good with the starting lineup as well. But also on the flip side of things, Obi Toppin and, and Matherin played really good games tonight. And I think that for Obi, Tyrese always, you know, gave him uh, an opportunity to succeed. I feel like Obi, he, he always found Obi in the right spot for easy dunks, which was great. And then Matherin, obviously, he, he had a run where he got things going. He had that buzzer beater right down. I think it was at the end of the third quarter, I want to say it was which was huge, and then just a few other plays. I mean, 19 points for Benedict Matherin on 7 of 10 shooting. He scores 19 in just 20 minutes. I thought he was extremely efficient tonight, and things could have went the other way. You could have changed this lineup. If the Pacers got blown out, it would have been like, did we need to make a change? This is what happens when you make a change. Now, all of a sudden, the Pacers won. Those players, you know, Obi, 
Uh, Matherin played really well. Neesmith and Buddy played really well. Everybody excelled tonight. So I'm curious to see if this is how the, the lineup will continue to go. And I think Rick Carlisle did a good job adjusting on the fly because the Hawks were really athletic and they kind of went a little bit smaller there at the end of the fourth. And instead of going back to Miles when Isaiah Jackson just looked completely gassed, you could just tell that last defensive effort where I think they ended up missing a shot. I, I can't remember. He might have made it. I can't remember. I I think, no, Sadiq Bay missed the three. Pacer got the rebound. They called timeout. But that was Isaiah Jackson's assignment, and he just, like, turned. He just, like, half-heartedly went to contest it and turned around. I was like, that boy is gas. He's been playing since the middle of the third all the way into the, you know, middle of the fourth, like, past middle of the fourth. He was tired, but he was really good. Isaiah Jackson was. He was. You know, I, I don't want to get to him yet because I know you were talking about Ben Mather and Obi Top mm-hmm. and like yeah. them coming off the bench and their numbers and stuff like that. But I thought Ben Mather and seeing that ball go in at the end of the third quarter as the buzzer on that buzzer beater really kind of encouraged him a little bit, gave him some confidence. That one drive that he had through traffic in the fourth quarter really just kind of gave the Pacers that offensive spark while Tyrese was getting some rest. That was huge for the Pacers because they needed someone to step up and do that. And I thought I thought Obi Top and just kind of figured things out. You know, didn't shoot the ball particularly well, right? But at the same point, he was able to get to the basket. I thought the alley that he missed, mm-hmm. that sucked. I mean, that but, would have been unbelievable if he threw that one down. Yeah. It was just like, dang, how that, how did he not finish that one? There's been two I games know. now that he's done that. It's like, come on, Obi, we got, we have you finish this because they're huge impact plays and momentum shifters. But it's like that first half. I, I don't know. I'm going back to this because I'm just all over the place right now. But if you go back in the first half, Obi Toppin had a beautiful dunk and it was like, oh, that's a highlight dunk. Very next play, they scored a basket right at the rim. And I was like, mm-hmm. is this how it's going to be all night? Because it's like, I don't care how awesome these plays are for us offensively. If we can't get any stops, it's not going to matter. But Tyrese Halliburton said it in the postgame press conference with Jeremiah Johnson, Buddy Heald won the game for us. When Buddy Heald came in the game for Isaiah Jackson, it was 138 to 135. He ended up making a 21-foot jumper, which made it 140 to 130. And then I think he ended up having like, 14 points, 14 or 13 points, the final, whatever it was, uh, final four minutes of the game. So Buddy Hill just came in there and really shot lights out and carried this team offensively because they didn't have anybody to do it with Tyrese kind of being taken out of the game. And there was an Aaron Eastman layup, an Obi Toppin layup in this in this stretch right here, but it was everything was Buddy Hield. Step back three after step back three to really put the dagger in the heart of the Hawks because Trey Young had a great game. I mean – <laughs> he was really hitting some shots there at the end. And you just didn't know if they were going to be able to, the pace were going to be able to pull this one away because Trey felt like it was just like a moment away from him getting this big dagger three to the Pacers heart. But Buddy Hill, he answered every one and he was the last man standing. I love that he made the alley oop layup as time expired as well, too. Yeah, no, that, that was great. Uh, but those are also tough shots yeah. that Buddy was hitting. Like it wasn't just that these were wide open threes, it was like he had a couple that I did not expect to go in. So I think on a night like tonight, you just realize like, Hey, shooters, they're, they're, they're going to, they're going to get it going. Yeah. Everyone's going to go through a a little bit of a cold streak. It happens. But when you see a performance like tonight at a buddy healed, you're just like, man, just, just get him in rhythm. Just, just give him enough shots so you can have him feeling like he's in a flow. And tonight playing more with Tyrese Halbert and also playing more minutes, played 31 minutes. Um, that was, you know, the, the third most minutes on the team. He had the highest plus minus at plus 20. Buddy Hield was massive for the Pacers tonight. But I just felt like on a night like tonight, just about everybody had it going. And talking about Isaiah Jackson a little bit, because, you know, you mentioned before, 
yeah, you know, you can look at it. There, there were some, some times he was whistled for fouls, and some of these foul calls were a little suspect. But I think that he had four blocks. That was awesome. He had five rebounds. I mean, he didn't – I don't think he really tried to do too much at any point. He gave the Pacers valuable minutes, and he started to string together a few of these games where we're saying like, hey, you know, Isaiah might have been eight minutes or 10 minutes or 12 minutes, whatever it was, those were good minutes for the Pacers. And this came at a time where at one point it looked like Jalen Smith, Jalen Smith did not return to the game. Uh, something happened. They were looking at him, whatever it was. I know at one point JJ said, hey, he's fine. He's back on the bench, but they rolled with Isaiah Jackson. I think this might've been a lingering back issue from, you know, the, the other night or maybe a week ago, but Isaiah Jackson held it down when the Pacers needed him to. Yeah, so if you guys remember, obviously, Jalen Smith took a hard hit against the 76ers, Marcus Morris, and he wasn't able to practice until Saturday. He said he was feeling good Saturday, you know, played in the Magic game. Obviously, that game was one that we all have forgotten about at this point. Yep, can't even remember it. And so, you know, Jalen didn't actually play terrible, I don't think, when he came into the game. Like, he still had six points. Like, he was still somewhat productive, but it was just like, that's when Bogdanovich got hot. TJ McConnell was really struggling out there. And it just felt like, okay, this this team needs another playmaker out there at this point. Like, McConnell just really struggled. He has the last two games, too. And this is when he's been given an opportunity to do so as well. So it's one of those things where you're just, like, really excited to see Jalen Smith grow in this role. But at the same time, you do have a really good third-string center in Isaiah Jackson that can provide you good minutes when it's necessary. Because if you think about it, Isaiah Jackson kind of fits the style of play that the Atlanta Hawks want to play. They got long, big athletic centers and they're pretty quick. So I think that Jalen and and Miles are are good centers, but they're not the same stylistically. So this allows you to have Isaiah Jackson come into the game and provide a different look, allow you to kind of run a little bit faster. But like I said, he's not been playing a lot of minutes. So when you get out there and you throw him out there in like a high intense game with that much back and forth he's going to get wore out quicker so i thought he played really well in the minutes that he played like you said he was a plus eight provided what they needed at that moment but at the same time they had to figure out how they were going to transition from that style of play when he did um have to come out because he was gassed and maybe maybe there's just a secret code here fachi maybe you just don't play until the second half so he has all six fouls to use that's it worked for him. I mean, he still had one to give, you know, at the end of the game, but yeah, you know, five, five thousand, uh, 12 minutes. Uh, Some of those were rough calls. But, but they were though. And that, that is what I pointed out. There were some very suspect foul calls where I was like, Oh, come on. But yeah. at the same point, we're both in agreement. Those were good Isaiah Jackson minutes. I was really happy with that. I think that, you know, we saw Ben Shepard get in at, at one point. You know, he hit a couple shots, but I, I just played a couple minutes. But overall, the bench, I I thought, you know, Matherin with, with 19 points, you know, it might have been a, a minus one, but it was a good game from Benedict Matherin. Obi, like we mentioned, 21 points, six boards. It might have been a minus three, but he had his moments. I, I think that he just kind of a, a lot of dunks, a lot of dunks, didn't really do too much like that. But you got point-wise what you needed off the bench compared to – uh you know, maybe it was a, a yeah. I guess the, the Orlando game where it was just tough. But overall, this game, I felt like if you blinked, you might have missed the only stop that was happening. You know, in the second half, it was back and forth to the point where I almost felt like I was getting a little bit of anxiety. Like it was going back. I would just kept being like, "Oh my god, come on! Like, please, can we just get a stop?" It was like three pointer after three pointer and this and that. 
But in the end, the Pacers were able to take the punches that they couldn't take against Orlando, and they were able to keep fighting back. The 157 points, which you didn't really get to point out, that's a franchise record. (laughs) Who would have thought we would ever have the chance to redeem ourselves after McConnell dribbled it out against the Spurs earlier in the month. I, I, It seemed like that was a once every few decades type of thing. This Pacers team, they might score 150 plus points numerous times in a month. I don't want to see them give up 150 points again, but something tells me it's going to happen again. With this team, if the defense doesn't get any better, you're going to see a lot of track meets, Fachi, because... Oof. I mean, it takes a 40-point quarter for them just to kind of get some separation from Atlanta. And it's like, okay, we got to do a better job starting out. 40 points to Atlanta in the first quarter is way too many. And then you go ahead and give up like 46 in the second. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, how does this defense not respond after what happened in the Orlando game? Mm -hmm. It's embarrassing to me. I, I almost tweeted it out, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to let the third quarter play out before I say anything over the top. But at that moment, you're down 13 points at half, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, thank God it's not more because 13 points, like that's a lot easier to overcome than 30-something, obviously. So simple math. I'm not a mathematician, but, my God, it's pretty easy to figure out if you're just doing simple math. But the problem is it's like why can't the Pacers consistently be good enough defensively like they were in that third quarter for more stretches throughout the game. And and we can get excited about the offense and we can get excited about, oh, someone had 20 points. And it's like 20 points when you score 157 is not that much. It's no. it's, a, it's like a 10-point game for a normal score. So that's where I'm kind of like trying to pump the brakes a little bit on my excitement for this win because, yeah, it's a great win. The third quarter comeback was incredible. But we still have a lot of issues to fix. We were wow. able to overcome it because I don't think Atlanta at this point – defensively is where they need to be at obviously give up 157 points to us they're a team you can score on but you try to do this against an orlando a boston a philadelphia you can't do that you can't always try to outscore the opponent no matter how good you are offensively at what point do they figure out the defense or when do they just start holding themselves accountable defensively because too many times just easy basket after easy basket bogdanovich got hot you live with that guys get hot but too many easy looks, too many lapses on defense. And I think at this point, what's gonna what's the wake up call? When is the wake up call gonna happen, Fachi? I don't know. What we saw tonight, while it was fun, is totally not sustainable. You cannot ask your team to score uh, you know, a, a near franchise record amount of points just about every night. Like if the Pacers are scoring, you know, one 140 or 150, it's hard to even applaud it because we're also giving up. 140 to 150 that can't happen so i think the only way for them to hold them accountable it sounds sad but probably would have been to have lost this game and had an unbelievable offensive night erased by how bad the defense was when you can mask the defense by brilliant offense it feels like okay hey well you know what we might give up a lot but we expect to score a lot and i don't like that mindset because Eventually, just like you mentioned, you're going to run into the right team that can play defense, and you're not going to score 150-plus points. So tonight, it was really fun, but you just start to be like, this, this, something's got to change. And I know when they try to make this move, Aaron Eastman in the starting lineup, defensive-wise, mm, we didn't really see it. But I don't know what 
more they can do other than, yeah, Andrew Nemhard can help, but how many points can he save this Pacers team? Well, yeah, I just think he gives you a different look than a TJ McConnell. So that's yeah. that's uh, the benefit there. So I'm, I'm going back to see when they made their first substitution. I'm, I'm thinking it was around like the 619 mark when Matherin came in the game. It was 19 to 17 at that point. It was uh, 20 to 17 when, when Bruce Brown went to the bench with about six minutes left to play. So they're on average pace there for about 34 points in the first quarter. Once they went to their second unit, that's when everything went to hell. You know what I mean? So yeah. defensively, it was just bad. It was just terrible. It was like, what are we doing here? And then you got a lot of people upset because of the, like you talked about earlier, the starting lineup change. Nobody wanted to see Benedict Mather and go from starting to the bench for Buddy Heald because Buddy Heald's in a contract year. Yep. Buddy Heald's 31 years old. Matherin's what, 21, 22. You're hoping he mm-hmm. can be the number two guy to Tyrese Halliburton. But at this point, I, I think that Rick Carlisle was just trying to find something. Kind of grasping for straws so. here with this Pacers team because defensively, I don't think they have any great options. But that synergy that they have with, with Ty and Buddy, like it's, it's big. We've talked it's about it a little bit. But I just feel like, okay, Neesmith gets in foul trouble. He gets three fouls. Toppin gets three fouls in the first half. So you're trying to just survive out there with the four position. But those two guys were pivotal in that fourth quarter. And and I think Neesmith was really pivotal in that third quarter. I think Neesmith, when he's on the floor, you can just feel a difference defensively with how things are going. But it's how the other guys depend around him. Like if you have Bruce, Aaron, and Miles, that's supposed to help your defense. And I think that it did a little bit in the first like six minutes of the game. But it was just like, back and forth for a while. You just never really knew what was going to happen until they went to that second unit. And it's like, okay, let's think about this second unit. McConnell, undersized. Ben Mather, not a good defender. Um, still a work in progress. People get mad when you criticize anything he does because everybody loves him. But he's he has a lot of defensive lapses. Obi Toppin, same way. So you're talking about three guys there that you just don't really trust. And then you got Jalen Smith playing the five. And then I think they had Bruce Brown come back in at the at the two a little bit. I know that Halliburton stayed out there for a little bit as well. And Halliburton's not a good defender. So no. you got to find that right balance, and that's where I think Nimhart has missed just because I, I like the idea of having multiple defenders out there. I'd, ha- I'd rather have less good defenders in a second unit than in my starting unit because you got to start out you got to start out the right way and really set that tone defensively, Flachi. And I think that was kind of the intention was to set the tone defensively because – you got your three best defenders potentially out there, but at the same time, you don't want to give up too much offensively. So that's why you have Ty and Buddy together. It made sense to me why they did it, but at the same time, I don't necessarily love that second unit moving forward, specifically if it's going to be McConnell for the next week or so, depending on when Nimhart comes back. Yeah, I'm with you on that because obviously, I mean, from at least just Obi Toppin's you know perspective, I. I think it, it felt like all of his baskets came off of Tyree's, you know, assists, or or at least the the clear majority of them. So, you know, curious to see, you know, how that would be with, with a, a different point guard. But yeah, I, I am interested to see is this just the lineup that they keep moving forward? Was it a, a matchup thing? I, I don't know, but I would imagine they're they're not looking to just change it for one game. I, I would think. But it also feels really early in the season to just say this is what the new lineup is moving forward because obviously defensively you had a really poor showing. So I don't think if you're if that's what you're trying to solve, it didn't work. But there were some things that did work well, you know, offensively. Like if we mentioned getting Buddy Hield going, that that was real. And I think that Buddy is someone that definitely would benefit in the starting lineup 
with more minutes. But yeah, to your point on Matherin, it's like, yes, he had a good game tonight. But what happens if he goes through a stretch where he's not having good games and he's coming off the bench and his minutes are going down? That could end up being a little bit of a, a rough scenario. Obviously, if the Pacers are still winning, hopefully that helps. But you kind of get the feeling that he he wants to be able to produce and also produce while starting. We'll yeah, see. Right now, the Pacers have the wins to back it up. No, and I mean, that's a great point. It's a tough dynamic. You got to find that balance. And, I, and I'm kind of wondering maybe if it was like Matherin was due for a good game, kind of like Buddy was, because Matherin hasn't played well, in my opinion, since the Bucks game. Yeah. Thought he played okay tonight. Like, there was nothing that you could really say, like, oh, he was bad at this. Like, maybe he could have been better defensively, but you can say that about everybody on the team. Everybody so, was bad defensively tonight. It's it's like yeah. if you single him out for defense, and then what are you doing with the rest of the guys on the roster when they gave up 152 points? So yeah. that kind of gets washed a little bit. But, you know, I, I think that he saw the ball go in from three, two or four from three. Like, I think the first shot he took was kind of a questionable shot, and he was, like, really short on that pull-up three that he took. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, no, is he going to try to force things? You know, I got people texting me saying – why are we not getting Mather in the ball? He needs to score more. And it's like, I'm just, just be patient because it's early in the game. You never know how things are going to play out, but the Pacers, I feel like, and we could talk about this a little bit, that second unit when Mather and Topham were starting, it kind of felt like it was dependent upon if Buddy Hield was going to be the scorer for that second unit because yeah. Nimhard's hit or miss with scoring. Neesmith kind of the same way. He's not like known for a scoring, but he can do it. Jalen Smith is always going to provide like 11 to 13 points a game. That's kind of what it feels like now at this point, which is not a lot of scoring. It's it's decent scoring, but it's not it's like good for him. Yeah, yeah, but it's not out like they're like, this is going to be our leading scorer off no, the bench. Not at all. So Matherin did a really good job of that last year. So you bring in Matherin and Toppin to kind of hopefully give that bench more of a more life in terms of like a scoring punch and balance that a little bit better. So I kind of understood that, but Overall, I just I just feel like Matherin's going to have to earn his way back into the starting lineup. I, I think that they're trying to give him more of an opportunity. But at the same time, Rick Carlisle talked about it. Like, this is going to be a year of devel- development for him. And if you're looking for 20 points a night, it's not going to always be that. It's going to be how does he improve defensively? How does he work on his ball handling? Is he more of a passer? Can he grow his – just grow his overall game? And we know second-year slumps are a real thing. So – this is a team trying to win. They've got veteran players that make maybe more sense stylistically or, or, or fit-wise at the starting lineup. So I don't love it long-term. I don't necessarily agree with the decision by Rick Carlisle. But it worked tonight. Buddy Hill got out of his funk. Maybe it was more to, more of a way to unleash Buddy than it was to penalize Ben. But maybe it works both ways. Maybe it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, and it very well could. I think if you do look at it as the trying to unleash Buddy, it absolutely worked. If you're looking at it from, hey, we need to do things differently defensively, it, it, it failed miserably. But the fact that the Pacers got this win does, you know, have people be able to say, okay, hey, you know what? what Tried something. You know, maybe we'll try it again, but I don't think it needs to be permanent. I think if it didn't work, Pacers lost, and, and they, you know, say they lost by, you know, whatever, 10 points or so, it would be like, he tried. Let's go back to how things were before, or maybe just maybe we just tweak Neesmith in for Obi Toppin, like we had discussed with Caitlin. But on a night like tonight, hey, you get the win. It was not pretty. I think at times it was fun, but you don't want to have to have a roller coaster of a game every single time. You want to be able to put teams away. And now the Pacers have multiple, I want to say it's at least 
three games this year that they have come back from 10 points or more and ended up getting the win, which is great to see. You hope to not have to see it. But this was also a Pacers team that was down 13 at halftime, found a way to go up 13 in the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden looked like they might lose this game at one point. So I was really excited that they grinded out this win. But Alex, we've now gone through three in-season tournament games for the Indiana Pacers. Am I wrong to think that all three of them felt like a playoff atmosphere type of game for this Pacers team? There was more juice to him for sure. Absolutely. And if you go back and look, like the first in-season in game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, in-season tournament game. Tyrese Halliburton didn't play great. Now, we talked about it. I think he had 18 and 13. We were like, oh, not a great game from Tyrese. We we're like, that's so like funny, but to be critical. But he didn't shoot the ball well, had mm-hmm. four turnovers, just really didn't seem like himself, but he hit the big dagger three. And so it made it kind of like feel like his moment was bigger. Obviously, the moment was big, but his overall game was very – it was it was a mediocre Tyrese performance from what we've seen so far this year. What he did in Philly was incredible. The way they were able to bounce back after a tough loss where they cut the lead to like single digits but never could get over the hump and, and get the lead from them. And on Sunday, then they were able to beat them. You're feeling really good about yourself. And I thought tonight the Pacers are going to come out and just punch the Atlanta Hawks in the mouth after getting completely embarrassed. They didn't do that, but Tyrese kind of made up for it in the third quarter. I mean, 26 points on elite shooting. He was fantastic. I mean, I'm surprised that it's hard double teaming sooner by how much he was abusing Atlanta's defense. 
held them scoreless so, in the fourth. You know, I mean, it's they crazy. did. They did help home scoreless, but it also worked to the Pacers' advantage because yeah. how many guys got open looks from it? A lot. The so, guys stepped up. Tonight. I will say this, you know, Buddy Hill had some big shots, but they're in the beginning, early stages of that trapping. Tyrese is making them pay for it. So they're going to continue to see coverage like this, I think. And I think that's why you're going to have to, like, see who fits the best with Tyrese in those moments. Who's going to generate the most offense when that's the case? And so, you know, Buddy Heald is a fearless shooter, whether he's shooting 10 of 15 from the field or he's shooting 9 from 11 like he did tonight. He's going to have the confidence, and the defenses are going to respect him just because of his career being a really good shooter. But it does feel like a playoff environment. I think that because Tyrese and the Pacers have approached it that way, like it means something to them. That's what makes it feel more important. If they just came out there and treated it like they did the Orlando game, you wouldn't even think two things about it. But because the players have made an emphasis to make these games matter to them, it's making it feel bigger than maybe it is. But I think the NCAA tournament has been incredible all around. I think it has. This has been a success. In the beginning of the year, I mean, me, plenty of others, felt like it was like a money grab for the NBA. Hey, you know, it's going to be good for ratings. You're going to want to tune in now on, you know, Tuesdays and Fridays when they play these games, and we're going to change the court and change the jerseys. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's game five of the season. But it's had a very different feel to it, and I feel that maybe it's because we've longed for the playoffs. It's been a couple years, but these games, to me, have felt – like playoff games, they've come down to the wire for the most part, and it just feels like it's like you know you're trying to you know take every punch that you can take, but also continue to punch back. And you've played every game like it's it's been like a game seven. It felt like that. Like tonight felt like a game seven. Like you're gonna keep going. It's gonna come down to basically who gets the the last shot, who has the ball last. To me. This felt like it was like Rocky Four against you know Ivan Drago. Like it was like Rocky just kept getting punched, but in the end he comes and he delivers that <laughs> knockout, and that's what it felt like for the Pacers. So this was a night where I just go, oh my god, you know what? Whether it's the, the play-in later on in the year or a playoff series, just get the Pacers in and to to, to the dance, and they will make something happen. I'm not saying they're going to pull off a massive upset. But they're gonna be ready to play, and this is what, what I talked about before. They're getting up more for these bigger games compared to just Orlando or, or or Charlotte on the schedule. This really meant something to the Pacers, and I love the fact that they went three and zero in their bracket, moving on because we are starting to really get the tension around the league, and we almost lost that with that bad loss to Orlando. This is how you respond. Yeah, for sure. And I know people were critical of us for not being more hard on the team after that loss to Orlando, but it's like, I I didn't want to overreact one way or the other Yeah, too early in the season to do that. We all know their defense needs to get better. If I need to come on here and say that every podcast, it's just a repetitive point. But I'll say this, the best thing about these in-season tournament games has seen Tyrese Halliburton evolve as a guy that can get it done when the pressure's on. We've seen him do it in the regular season. Right, We haven't seen him do it in the playoffs yet because he's not been to the playoffs yet. So this is the closest thing we've gotten to what feels like a playoff environment. And this is one of those ones like win in advance. You know, it's not like a win and you're done, but it's win in advance. Put the dagger in the heart of everybody else in Group A with the Eastern Conference and let the 76ers and Cavs know you're not going to get past the Pacers. We got this group locked up. We're moving on to the knockout round, right? 
And that's what the Pacers did. You know, they they came out there and just gave it their best. And that's what they did against Philadelphia, too. So I think that being able to see Tyrese have those special moments, like I even saw people on uh, social media comparing Tyrese's 26 points to Reggie Miller's 25 versus the Knicks in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. It's like, well, I don't want to go that far. But, I know. I know. Yeah. But it is exciting to see Tyrese just kind of take over a quarter like that and be able to just drastically swing the momentum of a game. So it makes you feel really confident knowing you have a guy that can be the guy for your team. Now we know this is the million dollar question. Who's going to step up and be number two. And with this roster, it's going to be a buddy Hill one night. It's going to be a Neesmith. It's going to be a Matherin one night. We've already seen that happen. Miles Turner did it in the first in season tournament game against the Cavs. And the second one I'm trying to think was miles again in the fourth. So, Mm-hmm. You know, Miles Obi Toppin was awesome in that game. Obi Toppin was probably the number two player in that one. And Buddy healed this one. So you're constantly seeing the number two guy end up being different in all these big games. And this is where you want to see someone become that consistent number two. But at least you know that this Pacers team has what it takes offensively to compete with anybody in the league. So that that's when their shots aren't falling, though, that's when they're going to be in a lot of trouble. That's what it is. I mean, the, the number two option, it feels like, you know, if, if this is, a, you know, I'm wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt as we speak. If this is wrestling, it's like the Royal Rumble. You never know who's going to be that next guy coming out of the curtain True. to be the number two option. And each night, it feels like it's been someone different. But that is why the Pacers' depth is one of their advantages uh, against a few other teams because we have seen almost, I'm not going to say everybody, but I feel like there's been five or six guys it feels like that has been the number two option uh, at one game or another for the Pacers. And, hey, it's a great thing to have. At some point, they're going to have to figure that out because in a playoff series, you need to be able to rely on certain guys. You can't just say, all right, well, we're going to need Bruce Brown to have one of those 26-point games or 24-point games at some point. No, you want to be able to say, all right, here's who I know is going to be our top guy. We got Tyrese, and now next you're hoping for X, Y, and Z. But I I think overall – this is a this podcast could have gone a totally different direction. If the Pacers came up just short in the win column and lost, all the emphasis is on how atrocious the defense is. And we know, look, it, it, it's real bad. And I don't think there's going to be someone coming in to save the day. Yes, we have an open roster spot. Don't think that that's going to be the cure to you know the defensive woes. I think that's going to have to be owning it. That's going to have to come from growth from within. But I think as the Pacers continue to progress, you're seeing, okay, you know what? Maybe they could be a team that really does make some noise. Maybe maybe they don't get out of the first round. But this is a team that's starting to attract the buzz elsewhere. And I think that players are now going to start to be like, yo, what Indiana's doing, I feel like I would compliment really well. And I think that it's still really early on in the season. But if we can maintain this, This is what's going to make a big difference when Tyrese Halliburton is playing at a true MVP level. Alex, you might have seen it tweeted out. The NBA tweeted it out. Tyrese Halliburton right now was number one for in-season tournament MVP rankings. I don't think he did anything to hurt his case tonight with what we saw. This man, if he's looking like an in-season MVP, well, he's also looking like an all-NBA player, and he's also looking like an MVP candidate for the regular season. We're blown away by the brilliance we've seen from Tyrese Halburn. Yeah, he's had one bad game all season long, and that was against Orlando on Sunday, but everybody and their mother had a bad game on that one. So 
you know, and it's and it's great to see, like, obviously, what he had tonight, 36, no, 37, 37. points. And how many assists was it, 16? 16. So that's going to put his averages up to 15 assists per game in the end-season tournament games. He was already averaging 25 and a half, so you had 36 of that, divide that by three. You're probably looking at close to 30 points a game now at this point. So he's been killing it in these moments. It's been awesome to see, and you feel really confident about who he is as a player leading your franchise moving forward. And I think you bring up a great point. People are going to want to come here. Caitlin brought it up on the pod yesterday. We just need some length at the forward positions, specifically guys that can be two-way players. Because when you have one guy that's a great offensive player and one guy's a good defensive player, you need guys that can do both. Yes. And so that's why it's going to be pivotal to uh, find those guys, whether it's on the roster with internal growth from the young players that you still have or going out and acquiring somebody via trade or via free agency in, in this upcoming offseason. That's going to be huge. But like Kalen said, Bruce Brown, as good of a defender as he is, you know, one night he's guarding Trey Young. The next night he's going to be guarding like a LeBron James type person. And he just, as good as a as a defender as he is, he's not a great defender. I don't even think he's an all NBA defender. No, so he's, he's that's good. kind of the problem. You're you're making him out to be like this great, great defender <laughs> because we have nobody. Yes. And it's like him and Neesmith and Nimhart. It's like they're all solid defenders. Nobody is like jumping off the page though as like an all NBA type of player. So they gotta address that. But you know, you just can't be putting those guys that are undersized constantly in these positions to be guarding guys that are five, six inches, maybe maybe not that much, but like at least three or four inches taller than them and probably adding about another 20, 30 pounds of muscle on them. So they can do what they can do, but at the same time, we need to quit over expecting them to do more than they can. And I think this is where the front office really has to say, okay, you bring in Obi Toppin, good experiment. Like what he can do, but can we find a better option at the four? Can we find a better option at the three? or we're maybe not having to play TJ McConnell as much or, or somebody else as much. You know, Ben Shepard, love that he got some run tonight, thought that was a, a good opportunity. He might be the only guy I know that can come in and knock his first three down and then miss the next four. That's what happened, I felt like, in preseason too. Yeah. It's like, oh, Ben Shepard going off at the first two threes, and then he just like two for eight at the end of the game. You're like, what happened? I yeah. thought he had a good start. So, But anyway, I, I just think they need to find that, and, and maybe, maybe it is on the roster. Maybe it is Jairus Walker. But – it's going to be a couple of years. And if you're trying to compete in the next two to three years, I think you got to find somebody outside of this Pacers roster to really come in here and take this team to the next step. I really think so, because I think that when you're looking at some of the internal pieces we have, they're pieces. They're not all stars or, or, or like that. There's a lot of good players, but if you really want to compete in the NBA you really need two great players, or if not one great player, and then two, you know, potential all-star players. The Pacers have one. I think other than that, I mean, you got guys who who excel in their roles slash play really good basketball, but if they want to take that that next leap, yeah, you need to find that second all-star type player. I don't know if nece- – I don't necessarily think he's on the roster right now. I know some people were saying, hey, could Turner – blossom into an all-star i think turner's playing really good basketball but i still think there's a a solid difference from all-star um that would have to come with the pacers really having a really really elite nba record i think turner has been everything you could have hoped for for the pacers this year but that next all-star guy i I don't think he's on this roster right now sadly yeah i mean it could be matherin it could be i would love for it to be matherin but 
when we're got the best about, chance. Yes, but when we're talking about on both sides, eh, it's hard to really feel confident that it's Matherin. Offensively, he very well could be, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say an all-star scorer because that's not really a thing, but he could be a very, very good scorer in this league for years and years to come. Yeah, his scoring on a good team could get him an all-star bid is what you're trying to say, and I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously the Pacers, though, they, they win this game, but they got to come back and take care of business tomorrow night. If you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, tonight is what I'm talking about. They play the Toronto Raptors, 7.30 before Thanksgiving. Toronto just lost in Orlando, 126-107. to 107. It really wasn't that close. Um, Pascal Siakam, OG, and Anobi, they played 30 minutes in this game. So, you know, they didn't play light minutes, but they didn't play like 36-plus. So we'll see how they are for the game. Before they head back home. So it's the last one on their little road trip here that they had. They had a two-game road trip. But if you look at the last six games, they're two and four, Fachi. They've only won two games against the two worst teams in the NBA, the Washington Wizards and the Detroit Pistons. So Ugh. they lost by 16 to the Bucks. They lost by three. They were close in that one against the Celtics, so they played better. But the Celtics just had a bad loss, too. So we'll see how they shake out. But, you know, they lost by... 19 points to Orlando. So this is a team that I think can give the Pacers some problems with their length. It feels like Toronto's always kind of had our number, but last year I thought the Pacers ended up playing them very well. So obviously some internal stuff last year with Nick Nurse. That's why he's not there anymore. But this is a team that I think the Pacers should beat if they want to consider themselves an upper echelon team of the Eastern Conference. They need to take care of business and showcase. We won a game in the end-season tournament, but we have what it takes to put that one behind and focus on the next one ahead. I hope they don't get blown out again. They should win this game. I'm extremely worried because you're coming off of such a high of this game that I just feel like you talked about the minutes that, that Siakam and, and OG played. Halliburton played 39 minutes tonight. Yeah. All right. Like he played 39 minutes and that was a game where the Pacers gave it. Everything they could possibly give. They are probably absolutely exhausted. Now you got a back-to-back against a team that, like I said before, I, I think they're they're not going to look at Toronto like, yo, tonight's the night we got to really prove ourselves. They should come out and say, hey, let's clean this up defensively. Can we hold them under 110, you know, instead of, you know, letting up 140 less points? I mean, letting up 40 less points, anything like that, but... I, I get a little bit worried because I think they could overlook the Raptors coming off of such a great win. They're not good enough to overlook anybody yet. They're I not. They got, I think they kind of got that wake-up call Sunday against the Magic. I hope so. They had five days off, so there's no excuse for rest. They played 25 minutes at the most, the starters did, against Orlando. Yeah. So it's not like, yeah, they had a tough game in, in, in Atlanta where they played a lot of minutes, but they can come back, play Toronto. doesn't start till 7.30, so they got a full 24-hour break. Get home, sleep in their beds, sleep in the be bed. able to wake up, a lot of pills, normal routine. There's no five day rest, so maybe that does help a little bit, knowing that there's a game right after. Maybe some of that momentum from last night can carry over into this one. Maybe you I, see some I, confidence so. shooting wise from Buddy Hilder, or Ben Mather, and seven to ten. That's Miles Turner didn't play a lot in this game either, so no. maybe he can be more of a force against Toronto and Yaka Pertle. I think that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. I, I think they're different stylistically. Slower, slower, big and 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 Pirtle and not someone that's going to really be as athletic as a Capella or an Akongwu. So, might benefit Miles. I think we see a big Miles game tomorrow. That's kind of my prediction for this. I think this I think game. it'd be great. I think I think twenty three points. Could... Okay, twenty three. How, how many rebounds we got? We're gonna go nine. Twenty nine. Nine feels right. Nine feels and right. Two blocks. 
Okay. Hey, we'll, we'll take it. He had four blocks tonight, nine boards. So I think he's very capable of 23-9. Um, yeah, I, I think other than that, you know, Neesmith, Turner, they played 25 minutes. But, yeah, everybody else in the starting lineup played at least 30. Obi played 34. You know, I, I'm curious to see, can Obi do it two games in a row? Because he really hasn't. It's 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 been They're gonna need you know, him up tomorrow. and down. They're gonna need him. We don't need you know twenty one points out of him. Could we get fifteen? Could you get double digits? You know, could he? He had one rebound. There's those games where it's like one rebound here, but then another game six. You know, so it's like he had six assists tonight. That was out of nowhere. I I just feel that you know his play has been all over the place. If he could be a little bit more consistent, actually, I'm looking at it right now. He had six assists tonight. He had seven assists for the rest of the month. Like, I mean, isn't that a little bit wild? So, know. <laughs> you know, just a little bit of consistency would go a long way at Obi Top. And the same thing with Matherin. You know, I would love to see Matherin get on a streak. Because one thing we talked about before, he hit that buzzer beater to end the third quarter. He also started out the fourth quarter with a three right away. So yeah. that was great to see. I think when he gets a basket in, it's like, let me get another one. Let me go. Give me the, give me the rock. So um, I, I, that's some stuff that I'm looking for. Don't overlook Toronto because right now the Pacers, they're, they're, they have the NBA masses right where they want them. Really talking about the Pacers was something that we're not used to. I just want it to last a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, this is a great kind of prove-it game. Mm-hmm. Show what you're made of. Show that Orlando is a good team that – you maybe just overlooked a little bit and you were a little bit flat against. Don't come out. You owe it to your home fans after the performance you put in front of them on Sunday night. You know, you were on the road for this game against the Hawks, but you're back home. You're probably going to have close to a sellout crowd with all the cheap tickets that they were selling, $35 club level seats, $5 balcony seats. The day before Thanksgiving, people have the day off, so they're more than willing to come out and be out a little bit later, knowing they can sleep in the next day. So I think this is going to be a very good turnout for the Pacers fan base. And I think the Pacers owe it to their fans to give them a good Thanksgiving Day game. Um, just give them something to be thankful for. No pun intended, but mm. you know that's where it comes down to. And for me, Obi Toppin, I really don't care what he scores, but if he can be effective on the glass and he can be good defensively, that's what I care about because Pascal Siakam is going to be a tough matchup. He always has been for the Pacers. OG and Obi's been able to carve you know out some good games against the Pacers too. And then I, I think Scotty Barnes is just kind of trying to figure out. They're trying to build around him a little bit more. They got a new style of play. Dennis Schroeder is going to be good defensively. So this is going to be a good defensive team that we have to go up against with their link. Can we take advantage of it? Because we're just riding that high and they're not playing their greatest basketball right now. So that's kind of where I'm at with everything. I really hope so. You know how it goes. I'm already looking at the schedule, and I'm, I'm looking past Toronto. I don't want to do that because that's when bad Detroit. things happen. But Toronto, Detroit, Portland, if the Pacers can, can get through Toronto, I really do think they can win those next two games against Detroit and Portland. All three of these games are at home for the Pacers. That would really be an opportunity to push ahead and have people be like, yo, did you guys realize the Pacers are – 11 and five, you know, I, I just talked about this last podcast. I know, but it's just, it, it, it feels it, beating Atlanta was not a given. That no. was very much like a, uh, I don't know how that Atlanta game is going to go. The other ones might be a little bit easier, but to be able to get that win against Atlanta. Now you're going home. I really hope that it, it can, can translate to, Hey guys, we got to be able to stay focused because after those three games, Toronto, Detroit, and Portland, 
The Pacers go on the road for one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row. You want to get wins while you can protect home court. This would be great to be able to, you know, finish out the next few games, but it starts with responding, uh, not getting too high and showing Toronto what you're all about. Yeah, and during that stretch there, you talked about all the road games. They could be in Vegas for quite a few of them. I think they might have one more game after the pool plays over in the knockout round in their mm-hmm. in their arena yep. potentially. So I forget how everything works. We'll have to come back and talk about that more tomorrow just to kind of yes. get you guys more uh, clarification on everything. But I think they'll have one potentially home game in the in the first round of the knockout tournament or whatever it's called for the end season tournament before they go to Vegas. So, uh, but that stretcher they could be in Vegas for a little bit, which could be good team bonding. Could also be good good opportunity for them to kind of prove to people how special this team can be. But um, I was just going to go back to it, just kind of end it here. They they can only be as special as their defense improves. You know, yeah. if they want to be special, they can score 150 points, but that that's not going to be sustainable. They got to get better as a team defensively. Even if they have bad individual defenders, their team defense can just be overall better. Yeah, I mean, we we said earlier in the year, could they be a top 20 defense? We thought that was reasonable. <laughs> now we're saying, could you not be the worst or the, the last defensive team, you know, in the league? That's where we're at, uh, you know, as a team. Br- unbelievable on the offensive side. Like, an elite offensive group. Number one, I would say number one offensive you know team in the NBA for a while. They, they had the, I would imagine after you score 157 points, you're going to go back up to the, the top scoring offense in the league. But you can't be the worst defensive unit in the NBA. I just don't think that that's going to work out. So, hey, for, for tonight, Alex, we escaped. I probably shouldn't feel good about it, but I do. I am riding a high. Tomorrow, being a Wednesday, it's technically my Friday due to being off on Thursday Same. and Friday. From for work, so I'm gonna have that extra pep in the step. Given I work remote, I'm talking about maybe an extra, you know, pep in the step in my kitchen. You know, my house not really oh going anywhere, God. but at the same point, I'm gonna be like, hey, you know what, babe, let's have a nice breakfast. You know, so something like that in the morning. That's how I'm feeling. <laughs> right over there. <laughs> oh, right over there. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. Um, but no, I, I think that's a good point. We'll be back tomorrow to recap the game against the Raptors before Thanksgiving. So you will have a Thanksgiving episode from Fachi and I. And we're going to talk about that Raptors game because it's always important for us to recap every game, no matter if it's a win or loss. But I think it's okay to feel good about this one. Obviously, you accomplish something. You win the in-season tournament pool like we talked about. Buddy Hill breaks out of a slump. You see some different kind of stylistic play, and it worked a little bit. Isaiah Jackson has some good moments. Like we talked about all that. So there's reason to be happy. So I wouldn't say just because the defense is so bad not to have any excitement about what just happened, but I would just say be a little bit uh, cautious about getting too optimistic with this team. I, I think that right now it's a trial and error for me still. It's a game-to-game basis. If they can put together four to five really good games here, then you feel a little bit better about it. But right now I'm still very concerned about this defense. Don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Yeah, but if their offense can keep clicking, I'll shut up about the defense. I won't hammer on every game. But that's that's all I got to say. We got to wrap this up, Bachi. We're going a little bit a little longer than we talked about. So 15 minutes past our uh, scheduled stop time that we had put for ourselves. So tell the people where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. 
Yeah, you can go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast. I did not put the magic post game podcast up on that one. Didn't really have a lot of time to do it. And I thought, who really wants to hear this one? So don't worry about that one. We will put that one to the side. This one will be up on the YouTube channel for you on Wednesday morning. So make sure you check that out. But if you're excited, the Pacers are the first team to clinch their group in in-season tournament history. Then Fachi hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sleeping every team, we gon' need a mop.